Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. High drive, Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball today on our Valentine slash President's Day special. Frank Sample joined as always by Scott White and Chris Towers. We're taking a little break from our position previews today, but we'll hit third base, shortstop, and relief pitchers later on in the week. Got a little fun show planned for you today, seeing as how it's actually Valentine's Day when we are recording and going live. Uh, Hmm. We have players we love in 2021, players we've always loved, and lots of moves going on in the past week. We had Andrew Benintendi was traded. We have some relief pitchers signing, so we'll get to all of those. Uh, We do have some of your questions, some of your emails. We'll hit those later on in the podcast. Fantasybaseball at CBSI.com. What is up, gentlemen? Scotty Suave on Valentine's Day. He's got the button-down shirt, the collar looking good. Scotty, how was your Mm -hmm. Valentine's Day? Oh, I think you know, based on how I'm dressed, Frank, how my Valentine's Day was. I think you know. Filled with candy, of course. Yeah. Yeah? How about you, Chris? Yeah. Any, uh, any, any, big, any candy for Valentine's Day? Um, I have had, not candy, but I've had some Gushers fruit snacks. Mm. Uh, but not because it's Valentine's Day. That's just because we have them around. That's just like a normal weekend. Yeah, for that's just, uh, you know, I just wanted a snack. <laughs> uh, I got some Reese's peanut butter cups from my parents. They still treat me like I'm uh, 10, so I do appreciate that. They they sent over the the heart filled with, uh, with all the chocolates, of course. So welcome again to everybody who's joining us and, and watching on YouTube and on Twitch. Scott, seeing as how you are uh, so aptly dressed for the occasion, why don't you get us started with a player you love in 2021? Ooh, do I have to narrow it down to just one, Frank? There, there's a lot of there's a lot of Scott White to go around. This was tough for me too, admittedly. So, look, if you're feeling generous, you want to give more than one player. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. Well, I may have to pick a hitter and a pitcher. All right. You know. So, since you're wearing a Pittsburgh shirt, Frank, I, I think I'll start with the hitter I love. Who's that? And the hitter I love. Cabrian Hayes is the hitter I love. I am so in love with Cabrian Hayes. He can do no wrong in my eyes. He can only do very right. I've kind of created this narrative in my head 
a fantasy, if you will, where, you know, he's that guy coming up through the minors who, uh, you know, doesn't produce great numbers, but he's always high on the prospect list. And you think, ah, it's just because of defense. Those guys don't know what they're talking about. But then as soon as he gets to the major leagues, those pitchers all throwing so hard and in the strike zone so often, uh, I don't know, something clicks. And that that kind of, that um, those inert talents, that, that, like, that athleticism really kicks in. And he starts crushing the ball. That's what happened last year. That's the, the guy I always referred to this phenomenon was Francisco Lindor. It was exactly the same situation coming up through the minors. Like, well, this guy's not going to be a big deal in fantasy, right? He's not putting up any numbers. But And, and the skill they both shared that was good offensively, the, the offensive trait that shared by Lindor and Hayes coming up through the minors is they always made contact at a good rate. And if you have that skill, you have that foundational skill, particularly in an era like right now where it's so easy to cultivate power, um, I, I think it could make strides really quickly. And I, I think we may have seen that from Hayes after he got called up more over the fence power than he ever showed in the minors, crushed the ball to all fields. Um, and he's like, he can steal bases too. It wouldn't shock me if he stole 15 bases. So I think a really safe bet for batting average, a non-zero for stolen bases. And like, he might hit 30 plus homers. He might be, we might look back you know, we might be making out of rankings for 2022 and be thinking of Cabrian Hayes is like, I don't know, third or fourth round type player. I think it's totally possible. And for whatever reason, he is being drafted like he never got called up last year. Like, it's amazing to see the, the gap between where Alec Bohm is drafted and where Cabrian Hayes is drafted. Because like, Hayes clearly had the better numbers the little bit we saw of him last year. And uh, you could argue he was the better prospect to begin with. Yeah, that difference in ADP, Alec Bohm is going off the board at pick 108 right now. Cabrian Hayes, 41 picks later at pick 149. Really big season for Hayes. He only played 24 games with the Pirates. Five homers, 17 runs scored, a 376 batting average, and OPS over 1,100. Uh, as we talk about with every sample size in 2020, it was small. It was especially small for Cabrian Hayes. But in 2019, uh, also ran a little bit, which you mentioned. Scott, 13 steals in the minors. He has a season with 27 steals. Uh, that was back in 2017 at high A ball. So, yeah, I think there's a lot to like about Cabrian Hayes as well. Uh, Scott, who would you take just in a vacuum? You would take Hayes over Alec Bohm? I would, yeah. I actually rank Hayes ahead. Um, it, it's pretty close, but obviously I'm going to wind up with a lot more Hayes just because he goes so much later. And it's like, I'd, I'd be happy to take him in every draft, no matter how many third basemen I already have. I think the upside is worth it at that point. And like, even if he doesn't max out the upside, just making that much contact and playing every day is it's going to give him a pretty high floor too. I feel like, so uh, I, I think Hayes is being greatly overlooked and I love him. I he, love him, Frank. He loves him. Chris, where are you at on Cabrian Hayes? I haven't heard your opinion of him yet. He's in, he's an interesting guy. What do you think? I'm skeptical. Um, <laughs> and I, I How think dare that's you? in keeping with, uh, you know, my general philosophy, which is, um, you know, when we see a, a real breakout and a real standout outlier kind of performance in a small sample size, 
I'm always going to be especially, um, you know, skeptical of that. He says as he prepares to name a guy who threw <laughs> 30 innings last season as his guy he loves. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll, nice little tease I don't there. look, I don't dislike him. I just, I need more, like, I think there, there's a, another comp that you could make to keep Brian Hayes. Um, and that would be Austin Meadows, who was another guy who was a top prospect for the Pirates for a long time. Uh, the numbers didn't really match what his prospect ranking looked like. He got to the majors and started to show a little bit more uh, of the upside. And um, you know, he he's actually someone I really, really like this year. And I assume Hayes was an early round draft pick, which again, like that can happen where guys, you know, once they get called up, they are uh, much better than expected. He was a former first round pick, Cabrian Hayes, back in 2015 with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Chris, you alluded yeah. to it. Who is a player that you love? And, and you know, I always do all this pre-production stuff and then I forget to actually use it. So who is a player that you love, Chris? Ian Anderson. And yeah, I know he's only thrown 32 and a third innings in the major leagues, plus 18 and two thirds in the postseason. So actually, you know, that's that's like 50 innings. That's a pretty substantial sample size. That is a Zach Plezakian sample size. Um, no, for me, the biggest thing, and I, I kind of fell in love with him while doing my starting pitching preview, which will be out probably on Tuesday on CBSSports.com. The biggest thing for me is, you know, this was a guy who has had hype for a long time as a prospect. Um, but it was mostly, he's got this really good fastball. He's got this really good curveball. He throws in the mid-90s. He's got this kind of a little bit, you know, funky delivery. It's a little more over the top than you usually see. Uh, and then he comes up to the majors, and all of a sudden, he's got this changeup that looks like one of the best pitches in baseball. Uh, last season, he threw it 176 times, 70 times to righties, 106 times to lefties. I actually like that he threw it so much to right-handed batters. Um, you know, that same-on-same changeup combination, I think, is a underrated one if you can do it well. You have up a 104 batting average and a 146 slugging percentage with expected stats that completely backed it up. 39.8% whiff rate. And so when I see a guy with the kind of talent and the kind of pedigree that Ian Anderson has, who has, you know, the, the scouting report coming up as a prospect was one thing. And then he came up to the majors and did that, plus this other incredible thing. That to me just suggests a guy who is going to be a very, very good starting pitcher. I have him as a top 24 starting pitcher overall uh, coming into the season, which is, Really aggressive. high, but be aggressive for a young pitcher. I don't think he has too many workload concerns. I'll say he doesn't have m- much more workload concerns than most pitchers who haven't really established themselves. And frankly, there's a lot of those guys being drafted. Um, he's thrown 135 innings in the in uh, in a minor league season once before. So, you know, the Braves may have you know six man rotation for stretches, or they may pull guys off. But you know, I think. If he got to 140, 150 innings, it wouldn't surprise me. And I think that's going to be more of a very good pitcher throwing 150 or so innings is going to be more valuable in 2021 than it ever has been in fantasy baseball. And so I'm not really going to downgrade too many guys if I think they're good and I have worries about their, um, you know, their their usage because I just I think everybody's going to have worries about their usage. You know, the, the Mariners were a team that that came out recently and pretty much confirmed they're going to use a six man rotation. 
They did last year too, but yeah. So this is, I got to pick this part a little bit because <laughs> I love Ian Anderson too. And this is, this was tough for me mm-hmm. because he's in my bust 2.0, which is going to come out this oh, week man. on CBSSports.com. But Hater. the reason being, uh, and has nothing to do with talent because I agree. You, you look at what he did last year, 65 strikeouts across uh, 51 innings. He made 10 starts between the regular and the postseason. He allowed two hits or fewer in five of those. He allowed mm-hmm. just nine earned runs total in those 10 starts. And those are, you know, in the biggest spots of the season. I mean, it's in the playoffs against tough teams, against the Dodgers a few times there as well. The problem for me is just workload. I have I have no idea, Chris, because last year it was 50 and a third. Mm-hmm. And the year before that, it was 135 and two thirds in the minors. So, I mean, all the projection systems have him for around like 130, 140. There's a chance that he's just super awesome in those innings and he kind of pays off. But I just, the other names that are going right around him in ADP, I mean, he's inside the top 100. Guys like Zach Wheeler, Zach Greinke, Jose Barrios, uh, Denelson Lamette, we can make the arguments. Okay, I get that one. But Kyle Hendricks, Carlos Carrasco, these are names going right around him. And these are guys that are pretty established that we've seen do it before. So as much as I love Ian Anderson, it's just hard for me to get behind the price you have to pay to get him. And to be fair, I don't have him like substantially higher than a lot of those guys. I have him right behind Zach Greinke. I have him a little bit behind Jose Barrios. I have him just slightly ahead of Kyle Hendricks, a little ahead of Zach Wheeler. I think that's the right range. Um, and I like all of those guys. Probably, uh, I think I like all those guys more than their ADP. So uh, this is not necessarily a case of me you know, liking Ian Anderson so much more than those guys. It's just a case of me liking Ian Anderson. And you know, the, the workload concerns are totally there. But, you know, when you look at guys being drafted in the top 20, are we really sure Kenta Maeda is definitely going to be able and capable of throwing more than 150 or 160 innings? I think he probably can, but that it's not like we have uh, a sample size of that. Steven Strasburg <laughs> can't be confident in that. Corbin Burns definitely can't be confident in that. And so... I just think if you're ever going to buy a talent that you believe in, and I think this is true of Zach Plezak, if you believe in that, I think it's true of Lamette if you believe in him. I just believe in those guys a little less. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the year to buy the guys who you have workload concerns because everybody except for like 15 pitchers has workload concerns. And those guys are all being drafted in the top 15 except for Probably Zach Greinke, who for some reason is SP32 because it's always, I guess, he's always undervalued. I guess the difference between like Kenta Maeda, Steven Strasburg versus Anderson is like, you know, they're not going to let Anderson throw 180 plus innings. Sure. You know. Although, if this, if 2020 had been a normal season and he stayed healthy, he probably would have thrown yeah. like well, 170. So it's, it's not. If that's the thing that's tough right now. Right, yeah. That's the that's <laughs> the thing that's tough right now. Um, but I don't know. It just it doesn't seem that much weirder to have him as a top twenty four starting pitcher than to have Tyler Glass now as a top fifteen starting pitcher, which pretty much everyone does. Or okay, I do not. Corbin I Burns not. as a top that's twenty. Fair. That's fair. I had Glass now appeared in my overrated players yeah. uh, column that was released within the last couple of days. So I get that. I like. I feel like I rank Anderson as high as I could possibly rank him, knowing he's 
a rookie pitcher still technically. Yeah. Coming off a season where he hardly threw any innings because nobody did. So I just know that there's going to be severe limits, or at least I'm fairly confident there are going to be severe limits on his workload. I think that's all uh, fair. Yeah. Scott, but I some- love him. And you don't always <laughs> see the warts in the people that you love. My wife loves me. <laughs> so, you know. Uh, Scott, give us that picture you love. Oh, you know the picture I love, Frank. Is you it? Know, I've, I've gushed about him before. You know, it's uh, some people wonder what John means. And I'll tell you what John means. John means business based on the way he closed out last season for the Orioles, where a season where he, he looked different from the beginning. He was throwing a couple miles per hour harder, but it wasn't really impacting the results. So it was easy to just kind of, you know, wave off. But then the last four starts, Everything took off. Everything. Like, not just, okay, he had a low ERA for his last four starts, but the swinging strike rate, like, doubled. It went from, like, bottom of the league, 8% or so, to Garrett Cole, like, 16% over those final four starts. He had a 152 ERA, 30 strikeouts versus three walks in 23 and two-thirds innings. And he's always been a good strike thrower. Um, But just seeing the way... Uh, just seeing that that was sustainable, even as he he became a different pitcher, who one who showed this incredible bat missing ability. Now I know we're going to complain about the sample size, but like we're talking about somebody who's being drafted outside the top two hundred. So what do you want? You know, <laughs> like I, I feel like I feel like when you see uh, that big a change of skill. It, you you need no matter what size the sample is, it, you need to take it seriously because it's so hard in the late rounds to find a pitcher, especially who has the ability to uh, um, to be an impactful player in fantasy. Still, you know, anybody who shows an inkling of upside at that position, especially, gets gobbled up pretty quickly. And I think people are sleeping on John Means still. So, uh, you know, it's a no risk proposition. And um, if, if it's legit, if that velocity gain is something that holds and if whatever else happened to make it translate to strikeouts like it did down the stretch, if that holds, then, uh, I don't know, John Means could be, be a pretty splashy find for you. And I'm, I'm lapping it up. I'm lapping it up in every league. JMB, John Means Business, the ADP 225.5 as the 69th starting pitcher off the board. And I've mentioned this a few times the past month or so. Outside the top 200, you have a lot of high upside starting pitchers. So I would try to load up my bench with as many of these guys as you possibly can towards the end of your draft. Jamison Tyone outside the top 200. uh, Marcus Stroman, Zach Eflin, John Means, uh, Nate Pearson, Michael Pineda, Nathan Avaldi. Uh, Ryan Yarbrough, I think, is interesting as well. Uh, there is a lot of names in this area, so uh, I want to call Yarbrough high upside, but fair enough. He's solid. He's very solid. Ch- he, he, he wins, Casey he Mize, wins Casey, Casey Mize, Mize, the other Davey side, Garcia, yeah. Luis Severino. When he gets back, there's there's no shortage of guys going outside the top 200. Yeah, Brady Singer, Dane Dunning. I know Scott likes Griffin Canning as well. So definitely okay. load up on a lot. I of like those. him. I don't love him. He doesn't love him. He likes him. He loves John Means for sure. A player that I love and lots of options, you know, um, definitely could have just done a 60-minute monologue on Joe Musgrove. I don't, I don't think anybody would have, you know. That's 
loving me, man. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that anyone would have uh, objected to that for for Joe Musgrove. But I'm going to go with Carlos Carrasco. And the first six starts last season were a little shaky, and I think that is somewhat expected coming off a season in 2019 where he was diagnosed with leukemia. Uh, but those first six starts, 4.5 ERA, 15 walks in 30 innings. That's 4.5 walks per nine, which is really now what we're used to seeing from Carlos Carrasco. His final six starts were amazing. 1.66 ERA, 103 whip. He went at least six innings in each of those starts. He went seven innings twice, got the walks down to 2.8 per nine during that stretch. Um, and... The strikeouts were basically on par with where he's been. 15% swinging strike rate for the season. That was basically where he was at in 2018 when he was a top 12 pitcher for fantasy baseball purposes. The ADP for Carlos Carrasco, 73.5. So he's going at that 6-7 turn as the SP25 off the board. And on top of everything, he's going to the Mets now, the National League, where as of today, February 14th or the 15th when you're listening to this, there is no DH in the National League. So I think that means we have to somewhat bump up National League pitchers again. Uh, and Carlos Carrasco now pitching in the, in the National League. So love getting him as my SP3 in that in that round six, round seven range. Let's quickly just hit a few players that we've always loved, that we still kind of love. Uh, Chris, why don't you give us one of these oldies but goodies? Well, he's not been all that good for most of his career. And I expect there's going to be some groans because he's a very... Uh, Controversial player, but Byron Buxton. I am bought back in Byron Buxton. I I thought you were going to say Giancarlo Stan. So that's. No, no. I mean, obviously. Um, Obviously. Like, oh, Chris loves a future Hall of Famer. Wow. Uh, No, Byron (laughs) Buxton. I think there is a lot to buy into what he's done over the last couple of seasons. Uh, He seems to have really taken a step forward as a power hitter, and he's been able to do it with. You know, frankly, without sacrificing too much strikeouts, you know, he's he's been right around 24, 20, 23 to 27 percent the last two seasons. Small sample sizes because, yes, Byron Buxton gets hurt a lot. But uh, I just think, you know, you look at the last two seasons, um, 16 stolen bases, 23 uh, home runs in. Let me do that math on the top of my head now. 126 games. You're talking about 25, 25 upside and. Uh, Byron Buxton, I don't think there's any question that he's always had the potential to do that. He's just never been able to really stay healthy enough to, but a uh, super efficient base, base runner. Uh, I think he's still 99th percentile in sprint speed this deep into his career. Um, yeah, he was fifth in the majors last season in average sprint speed. He was third the year before, first the year before that. So uh, probably some decline. He'll be seventh in 2021, uh, but he is hitting the ball harder. He was 89th percentile in uh, hard hit rate last season. He was 85th percentile in exit velocity, 88th percentile in barrel rate. All of those things were higher than they have been, but he took a step forward in 2019 in his underlying power numbers. The play discipline's bad. The play discipline's probably always going to be bad, but I think Byron Buxton can be a 260 hitter who steals 25 bases and hits 25 homers, and that kind of player usually gets drafted a lot higher than Byron Buxton is. Yep, the ADP for Buxton is 123 as the 34th outfielder off the board. I think you're right. It's not egregious. It's been higher in years past. There is still massive upside. He has to stay on the field. Buxton's dealt with a lot of injuries in the past, but specifically in Roto Leagues, if you get this guy in the 10th or 11th round as your 
probably third outfielder. I don't I don't think that's that's bad at all. Points leagues, um, you might want to shy away just because the strikeouts sure, sure. and and the and the walks, just a plate discipline in general, not going to be great for one. Byron Buxton, Scott, a minute or less, a player you've always loved. I've always loved Josh Bell from the 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 time I saw him hit his first home run, which almost went in the the Allegheny Allegheny is that the river behind Allegheny? Yes, it's the River. and the Ohio converged to form the Allegheny. Yeah, they got that yellow bridge out there and almost went in it. Like he just and he just like he looks so strong. Like I I saw him without a shirt once. He looked like the super shredder. <laughs> His like dad somehow looks even more jacked than him. His dad is like the biggest person I've ever seen in my life. <sighs> Go Google Josh Bell's dad. I'm on I it. may be mixing up love with lust, I'll admit. But like, you know, <laughs> after that 2019 season, I thought he could do no wrong. Clearly, I was wrong. But I'm willing to forgive and forget because I think guys with his raw power who strike out as infrequently as he does you know, prior to 2020... And the fact it was a messed up season, you know, no video. Obviously, the strikeout rate shows something was off for him. I think he's going to be back in a big way. And I am still in love with Josh Bell. All right. So Josh Bell's dad, Ernest Bell, is he is yoked up. So you he are, looks like he looks like Frank Thomas back when Frank Thomas was an active major league player. Wow. There are a lot of MLB player dads that are jacked. Marcus, <laughs> Marcus Stroman's dad popped up. And this guy's also <laughs> huge. Oh my gosh. I remember Bryce Harper's dad during the uh the home run derby he was throwing throwing to Bryce. Uh he's pretty big too, so damn. Good good call on Josh Bell and his dad. Uh players <laughs> and, and dads that we love here. It's not even Father's Day, but we're uh, we're we're hitting everything. Big day for the Pirates. So, you know, I called the Pirates out last weekend, uh, last weekend, last Friday. And uh the player that I have always loved is Andrew McCutcheon. And this is actually a like a Kutch is Clutch shirt. You you see that little mm. there if you're watching on video. But oh I have always loved Andrew McCutcheon. And I think he's useful regardless of format. He's 34 years old now. Still managed a 324 OBP with 10 home runs and 4 steals in 57 games last season. The batting average is not great at this point. He's probably 250 to 260. But good late round source of runs. He's not going to really hurt you anywhere. Um, ADP's outside the top 200. Even if I got him as... You know, my third outfielder in a points league or my utility bat, I really would not mind it. So, Andrew McCutcheon, a player that I have always loved, and I still kind of like him here in 2021. We have lots of news items to get to. Just want to quickly promote, for my soccer fans out there, the Champions League is back, and you should be listening to Kay Galazzo, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join the team for two episodes a day, including daily previews and recaps of all the Champions League and Europa knockout stage action. You can find Kay Galasso on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you listen to this podcast. Don't wait. Download and subscribe to make Kay Galasso your ultimate audio destination for soccer and Champions League coverage. We have an extra mailbag podcast this week. So in addition to the position previews and the players we love and all the other fun stuff that we give you, we will be dropping an extra mailbag podcast this Saturday into the feed. So if you enjoy the podcast, please drop a five-star Apple podcast rating and leave your question as a review. We'll also grab some emails as well. Of course, put put mailbag in the subject line and send that to fantasy baseball at cbsi.com. Remember, that's the letter I as in 
interactive. News and notes. Cue the I'm coming home song. I'm coming home. Justin Turner. Back to the Dodgers on a two-year deal. Uh, he was not the only one. James Paxton back to the Mariners. Jake Arrieta returned to the Chicago Cubs. Scott, let's just start with Justin Turner here. Uh, he's old. He's going to miss some time probably throughout the season, but he was still the 14th best third baseman in Roto last year. He averaged 3.1 fantasy points per game. That was 10th best among third basemen in that format. His ADP is 215.8, so he's very late. You know, it, it, He's boring, but... He still kind of gets the job done for fantasy. Yeah, kind of. I, I think I have him ranked 17th or 18th at third base. So, you know, a few spots less, a few spots behind where he finished in Roto. And that was, of course, in a year where many, many third basemen underperformed expectations. Um, you know, the weird thing about Justin Turner is over the past four seasons, he's hit 307 with a 910 OPS. And that's like studly, obviously. But I'm actually disappointed to see him go back to the Dodgers because they're treating they're they're giving him the old man treatment clearly. Like if he went somewhere else, we could hope maybe that they won it. Yeah. But the Dodgers, they still have enviable depth. People started to get excited about Edwin Rios maybe before Justin Turner uh, returned. So you know Rios himself is somebody they're going to want to find at bats for, presumably, and um, sitting once or twice every single week is it's hard to be. It's hard to be an impact fantasy player that way. So I, I don't really see the usage changing for Turner now that he's back with the Dodgers. And that's going to keep him really outside the top 15 for me at third base. I think he's fine in the late rounds, especially if you're looking for like batting average help. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I don't think his ADP really needs to be much higher than it is. In my late round category contributors article on CBSSports.com, I wrote up Justin Turner, someone going outside the top 200 that can help you in batting average. Pretty safe floor there. I think he's probably going to hit 290 plus and a pro, potentially even over 300. But yeah, definitely throw some cold water on uh, Edwin Rios, who, man, the power potential is big. Eight home runs in 32 games last year. 946 OPS with the Dodgers. Has a 31 homer season. Um, back in 2019 in AAA. So big power there for Rios, but it seems like we're going to have to wait a little bit longer. James Paxton returns to the Mariners after a few years with the Yankees. The velocity was way down last year for Paxton, has dealt with a ton of injuries. The ADP is at 237, just behind John Means Business and Michael Pineda. And maybe I'm alone here, but I would rather take a shot on those guys at this point than James Paxton. Chris, I feel like you've always been the Paxton guy. How about now? Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry he was bad for your team, but yeah. that's no reason to ding him, Frank. Come on. I mean, the velocity uh, being down is a pretty good no, reason. the velocity was down, and, and, you know, according to reports out of his showcase, he was throwing, like, 94. Um, that works. Which was back in December. And Yeah, I mean, and the question is, was he peaking at 94? Was he sitting 94? That's always one of those questions mm-hmm. that we have to deal with before we actually see information. Uh, I think skepticism for James Paxton makes a lot of sense, but I'll, I'll admit I'm not 100% sure why we're more skeptical about him than Corey Kluber, who I believe has a higher ADP. Uh, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that's the case. Yeah, Dan Faxon is... Well, I'll give you one reason. Yep. The Yankees signed Corey Kluber for $11 million and apparently weren't willing to sign James Paxton, sure. a pitcher they know better, for $8.5 million. And I, I think it's pretty... 
concerning that no contender, I mean, I'm assuming he went to the highest bidder. No contender was willing to guarantee more than $8.5 million. Uh, he missed almost all of last season with a strained elbow flexor. And you'll remember that's the diagnosis Chris Sale received right before having Tommy John surgery. It's, it's often a precursor for Tommy John surgery. Um, so I'm not making you know, a, a strong case for James Paxton. No, I, I know. I was just, I was just making the case against why, why I, I, enthusiasm is low for him. And I, I think, I think where he's going, like, you know, that's, that's, that's no risk. I, I think it's fine to take him where he's going. I would prefer John means obviously in that same range, but if, you know, Paxton is there in the next round, I might have to think about it. Yeah, for me, it's it's more being down on uh, Kluber than okay liking Paxton much. No, yeah. I could I could see that because Kluber is climbing right now. The ADP is up to one eighty. I feel like before he signed with the Yankees, that was in the same range as James Paxton. It was yeah. right around two twenty. So he's moving up around you know thirty to forty picks. And I, I assume you know if he looks good in spring, that's just going to continue to climb. So I agree with uh, with that analysis. I, I'm I'm just more likely to wait and and take some of those other names that I mentioned earlier as some kind of uh, as some upside arms going outside the top two hundred. Jake Arrieta. Back to the Cubs. I assume there's not much to see here, Scott. I don't think there is. No, I, there's there's not really. He doesn't really have any redeeming qualities anymore, Arietta. I guess he throws a lot of innings, and so in an NL only league, um, that'll be worth it for somebody to have him. But I, I don't, I don't, I don't hold out much hope of Arietta recapturing some lost form there. Yeah. I will say, if this pushes Adbert Alzale out of the rotation, I will. I will lose it, yeah. Scott. I will lose it because yeah. as of now, we're looking at Kyle Ooh. Hendricks, Zach Davies, Arietta, mm-hmm. and then we have three names here: Alec Mills, Trevor Williams, and Adbert Alzale. So, I, 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 Adbert Alzale may not be a player I love, but he's a player I'm kind of starting to flirt with. You know, <laughs> I uh, I will just say when the options are, you know, Alec Mills and uh, Trevor Williams. And frankly, Jake Arrieta, <laughs> there may not be like it. It may not matter if he's not in the opening day rotation. He'll get an opportunity at some point. And if he doesn't, either something went really, really wrong for Alzale, which in which case it doesn't matter whether right. he gets the opportunity or not. Right. Or this season went way better than even the Cubs are hoping it will. <laughs> that so is, I, I think he'll get an opportunity. That is a great point. Uh, again, regarding Jake Arrieta and Adbert Alzale, someone we do like as a. Uh, also, as a late-round sleeper, he's going outside the top 300, so even in deeper leagues there. Andrew Benintendi last week was traded to the Kansas City Royals in a three-way deal. The Red Sox received outfielder Frenchy Cordero, who, I mean, people just love this guy because he's hit like two 470-foot home runs in his career. He has tools for days, but we'll get into him for, uh, in a little bit. Uh, the Red Sox also received pitcher Josh Winkowski and three players to be named later. The Mets received outfield prospect Khalil Lee, who is very fast uh, and offers some organizational depth there in the outfield for the Mets. Scott, Benintendi was awful last season. He only played 14 games. He missed the majority of the season with a rib injury. He was also a Pretty big letdown, I would say, in 2019, but he should play every day now, I assume, with the Royals, and does have a power-speed combination. The ADP is 252. I've never been a big Benintendi guy, but I think I can get behind that. I'm I'm slowly mm. buying into Benintendi at that ADP. 
I, I think he's Nick Marcakis at this point. It's crazy how much his stock has fallen considering he used he was at one time the number one prospect in baseball. He was a top ten had, fantasy outfielder in ADP going into twenty nineteen, I believe. It's a former twenty twenty guy. Um, but like it's all his specifically the speed, okay? His his percentile uh where he's ranked in, in speed according to uh um uh Statcast over the years. It started out 89.1, 89.1 percentile for for the speed for Ben Intendi. Last year it was 43.4. The year before 53 54.3. Like really average to below average speed. So I'm not I, I'm not sure. Like that was the one thing I was thinking. Okay, if there's any team that likes to run, it's the Royals, right? So maybe they'll get Ben Intendi running again. And and if he can become a steel source again, um, then you know that might help him recapture some fantasy value, but he's just not that fast anymore. And I don't think, I don't think someone with Ben Intendi speed can't be a decent base dealer. I always say, stolen bases are mostly a matter of intent. But you know, yeah, I feel like I got to see it to believe it at this point with him. And and in terms of hitting, like the the power's been on the decline too. He's still a pretty good contact hitter. That's why I make the Nick Markakis comparison. But. uh not that interested in him unless I'm looking for like a a stable fifth outfielder in a roto league. I think he can be 15 to 20 homers, 10 to 15 steals. I mean, there's definitely a place for that in a roto league, probably as a fifth outfielder, maybe a fourth outfielder in a, in a deeper format, you know, 15 teams or something deeper than that in roto. Uh, but I'm a little, let's see what he has left in spring training. Someone I'll be paying attention to is Andrew Benintendi. And I- I do want to make one point on him. Uh, he's, I think, especially poorly suited to playing at Fenway Park. Fenway Park is really, really great for Babbitt, but it's been uh, historically very, very bad for left-handed power. And Andrew Benintendi seemed to get into a rut of trying to hit for power. And that's not really his game, but especially there. And, you know, if you look at, what he's done at home, he's averaged 12 home runs per 150 games at Fenway. Uh, it's more like 17 on the road, and he's actually run more often on the road. Um, you know, I think it's something like 21 steals per 150 games. Obviously, that I think is less relevant, but uh, he, you know, Kaufman's not a great place to hit, but it's, it's possibly a park upgrade for Andrew Benintendi part, in particular. Chris, I'll stick with you here. The legend that is Franchi Cordero. He might get the opportunity to start versus right-handed pitching in left field for the Red Sox. Anything to see here? He's not really a baseball player. Oof. I don't know. Like, I don't want to be too mean, but like, he's this really interesting collection of tools, but we don't actually have much evidence that he can really play baseball all that well. And I don't know. He's fast. He hits the ball far when he makes contact with it. He made more contact last season than ever, but you know, obviously it was what 30, 42 plate appearances that he only struck out four times. in. so that doesn't really tell you anything. Um, I, I think it's a very long shot. He would probably need a lot of playing time to, to be fantasy relevant. The Padres signed Mark Melanson over the weekend, and we've got our relief pitcher preview coming up later this week. This is going to be a fun one to figure out who closes for the Padres between Drew Pomeranz, Emilio Pagan, who they have talked up in the offseason, and now Mark Melanson joins the mix. So, Scott, if you had to handicap this, who is your betting favorite to lead the Padres in saves this season? 
I'm going to say Pomeranz, and it may be wishful thinking. I think he's clearly the most talented of the three, clearly. Uh, you know, that didn't stop Melanson for beating out Will Smith for saves in Atlanta last year. And, and, and hey, it worked out okay. Even though the strikeout rate was low, the whip was kind of high. Um, obviously, Melanson has the most proven track record as a closer, but Pomeranz was the guy who became the closer after Ty, uh, Kirby Yates went down last year. Uh, and then Pomeranz himself got hurt and, and and then they acquired Trevor Rosenthal. So, you know, kind of went by the wayside. But Pomeranz was the guy. He did get installed as the closer before. They clearly think he he can do that job. But Melanson's track record as a closer, the fact that Pom- Pomeranz is the one leveraged lefty they have, I have some doubts and I'd be drafting Pomeranz and Melanson pretty close together. Let's quickly hit on some of these last few news items. Anything to see here? Rich Hill joins the Tampa Bay Rays on a one-year deal. This is, I mean, you want to talk about Valentine's Day, match made in heaven, Rich Hill to Tampa Bay. I'm surprised it's taken this long for this to actually happen. Uh, The Rays have Tyler Glass now, and then like seven to eight other pitchers that will maybe give them 100 innings this season. And I was watching MLB Hot Stove on uh, MLB Network last week, and Ken Rosenthal was talking about that's, the Rays' actual plan is that they just they want to have a lot of depth and you know guys that okay if they could give us eighty to hundred innings then that that's pretty good. Uh, but those names that we're looking at: Chris Archer, Rich Hill, Ryan Yarbrough, Michael Waka, Trevor Richards, Colin McHugh, Josh Fleming, Luis Patino, Brent Honeywell, maybe in the mix if we could ever see him pitch again. Uh, Brendan McKay, Brendan McKay, also uh, one of those names. Shane McClanahan. They just have so much depth in this organization. Chris, Rich Hill, are we? <laughs> I think he's like 42 years old. Are we going back to the well? Um, no, probably, probably not. Um, but if you're in an AL only league, it's worth taking a look at him. I, I would guess what we're going to see is a lot of guys get thrown out there and, you know, whoever pitches well, will get to stick. And Rich Hill <laughs> yeah. has, you know, a track record and has been a reliable starting pitcher in the past, but you know, he put off Tommy John surgery, I think last off season, Was that last off season. Time has no meaning anymore. Yeah, it was last off season. Yeah, I, I foresee, I foresee a lot of three and four inning stints for this entire pitching staff, yeah. which he'll include. The one guy who I think could break free from that is Glass now. And even but that, considering five innings. Well, no, I mean he he had a few seven inning starts last year, which is saying something because you know seven yeah. inning starts were especially rare. But you know he just over the course of a full, I, I don't think he's had more than like 120 innings since 2017 or something. So um, even, e- even him glass. Now the rays are going to be really careful of, but beyond that, like, I don't, I don't, I have a hard time getting excited for anybody in this pitching staff. Cause it's just going to be such a mishmash. I'm even starting to lose some excitement about glass now. Yeah. yeah I think like he's... I said, I had him in my overrated column. So yeah, yeah, and he's another tough one where he's not overrated because of the talent. It's just, you know, right. the cost that you have to get to get uh, to draft him, which is usually the fourth or fifth round based on ADP. Uh, Azdrubal Cabrera signed with the D-backs on a one-year deal, which means Cattell Marte will move back to center field. He will still have second base eligibility for this season, Cattell Marte, but he will quickly gain outfield eligibility. I don't know if this means anything, but 97 career games for Cattell Marte in the outfield, they likely all came in his breakout season. 361 batting average with an OPS over 1,000. So do with that what you will, but it's a stat that I saw and I thought it was interesting. The Tigers signed outfielder Nomar Mazzara to a one-year deal. 
Don't really think there's much to see there. The Mariners signed reliever Ken Giles to a multi-year deal. He's recovering from Tommy John surgery. This move is more so for 2022. So keep that in mind in your keeper and dynasty leagues where relievers are relevant. Uh, The Red Sox signed Marwin Gonzalez to a one-year deal. I assume he'll play his normal super utility role, fill in for players here and there, give give someone a day off. Uh, Cleveland signed Billy Hamilton to a minor league contract. Scott, outside of Eddie Rosario... Any guesses to who starts in the outfield for uh, the for the Cleveland in those other two outfield spots? Um, I'm pulling up roster resource here because <laughs> it's not pretty. Not not a clear guess. No, I, I mean Ahmed Rosario might end up getting a fair amount of time out there because that's a way they could get both him and Andres Jimenez and certainly Cesar Hernandez in the lineup. Uh, we may see a healthy dose of Oscar Mercado again. I th- hasn't there been some talk of maybe trying Nolan Jones? Nolan Jones is their top, uh, at least hitter prospect, right? Their top, their top one, one of the top at least. Yeah, third yeah. baseman. They have talked a lot. That. Yeah, yeah. There's been some talk about that, so I, I don't know how quickly that would develop. But like he's on the verge of a major league promotion, so maybe he he ends up coming up in some at some point this year and and becoming a useful hitter for them. But otherwise, it's going to be it's going to be this. The same collection of nobodies, like Bradley Zimmer, they'll probably get a shot again. I hope it's Mercado in yeah. one of the two spots. I'm kind of and interested. He's played 151 games. I know it was a huge disappointment last year, but he's played 151 major league games. He has 16 homers, 18 steals. Like If he can do that, he'll be a starting caliber outfielder in Roto Leagues. I'm with you. I'm with you, Chris. ADP 357 for Mercado. I can... Late get, round flyer. I can get kind of excited for... Uh, for one Oscar Mercado. You know, we almost fired up the uh, the emergency podcast last week. Had some breaking news. Adam Azer favorite Greg Bird signed a minor league deal with the Colorado Rockies. Uh, I, I legitimately was going to have Adam come on for like, <laughs> just to have a little fun and, and talk some Greg Bird. But yeah, not really much to see there. Non-transaction related news. John Morosi reported Michael Kopech is expected to compete for a rotation spot throughout spring. My guess is Good. he will compete with Carlos Rodon and Ronaldo Lopez for the final spot in the White Sox rotation. So we'll be watching that very closely. Randy Dobnak, our guy, leading candidate for the Twins' fifth starter job. Uh, Miles Straw is atop the Astros center field depth chart. That is a very fast man, so I don't know that he'll provide anything mm-hmm. else. But for those who play in AL-only Roto Leagues, Miles Straw yeah. is someone who can give you 20-plus well, 20, he, he, 20 He's, he's a fast guy who's capable of getting on base a lot, Miles Straw is. So I, I think I think he has a legitimate chance of becoming a an everyday player type, which, you know, given the stolen base landscape right now, that would be a pretty big deal. Brandon Belt underwent heel surgery back in October. He is progressing well and hopes to be ready for opening day. If you are watching on the video side, don't go anywhere. On the podcast side, we are going to take a quick break. When we return, we're answering your mailbag questions here. Fantasy Baseball Today. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. 
passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Let's jump in. Quick shout out to one of our listeners, Jason Lawrence, who made this little sound drop for whenever we like a trade, whenever you guys say, take the trade, we will have this to play. Take the trade. It's pretty fun. It was simple. A couple of weeks ago, I was saying, take the trade, kept saying it. And uh, I was like, whoever wants to make a sound bite, send it in. Our buddy Jason Lawrence did so, so we do appreciate that, of course. Uh, we've got two questions from Apple Podcast Reviews. We'll start this one first from GerberBaby96. Dear Tom, Mike, Hank, and Wayne. I tried Googling this beforehand, and I couldn't find anything. You guys are 100% better at this than I am. Tom, Mike, Hank, and Wayne. Something is popping up called Wayne, an American dark comedy action streaming television series created by Sean Simmons. I don't know. I, don't I was know. thinking maybe Tom Seaver, or Hank Aaron, maybe this was maybe a hall of famers who passed away in the last year, but I don't maybe I can't think of who Wayne, Wayne would be. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to the question. If you guys have any guesses, uh, let us know if anyone in the UTEP YouTube chat has a guess, let us know. Uh, I play in a 12-team standard head-to-head categories league and have always been a sucker for steals. I was intrigued by Frank and Scott's discussion around punting steals in this format. I pick near the end of the first round in a league that perennially sleeps on Trey Turner. Do you think there's any merit in taking him to potentially win some weeks in the category Mm -hmm. and punting steals for the rest of the draft? Me personally, you know, if I'm punting steals, I'm just going completely the other way. But... Trey Turner will help you in the other four categories as well. Uh, what do you think, Scott? I, I would probably just look in another direction. Maybe someone like Freddie Freeman, who would be better in the, the power counting sets. I think if I'm taking the punt steals approach in a head-to-head categories league, which is, by the way, the, on, the only format I would consider it for, I wouldn't do it for straight roto. But if I was going to do it, kind of who I got in the first round would determine whether I did it or not. Yeah. Like if, if, if you're, if I'm picking first, you know, I'm still taking Ronald Acuna. If I'm picking second or third, you know, Betts, Tatis, like I'm, I'm not going to pass those guys up because I decided going into the draft that I wouldn't take steal. So if Trey Turner lands in my lap and pick nine or whatever, then obviously I'm not going the punt steals route. I just, the, the advantage to punting steals, I think, is you don't reach later in the draft when you kind of have to reach to, to get steals, especially if you didn't get any early. Fair enough. This one's from Big Pete underscore 88. Apple Podcast review question. Pete Alonzo, is that you? No, he was born in 1994, not in 1988. Um, Last year, many people had Michael Conforto on the bus list. Do we think this is the year he busts or is he the real deal? Michael Conforto, ADP is 73.5 as the 20th outfielder off the board, just behind names like 
Randy Arozarena, Trent Grisham, and Brandon Lau. Chris, thoughts on Michael Conforto at that ADP? I think he's kind of underrated at this point. I agree. I think it's because it's it's kind of a profile uh, that isn't super rare. I don't think he's going to hit 320 or anything close to it again, but I think he's someone who's going to hit 265, 270 uh, with a just a boatload of RBI and runs and what should be a very good lineup. And I think he's a pretty safe bet for 30 home runs. So, you know, he's someone that I look at and I think I'm fine with him in either format. Um, you know, as a number one outfielder, if I wait, number two, uh, otherwise, and I think I'm pretty happy with it if it happens. What if if he hit if Conforto hits only two sixty five, two seventy, then I don't know why he'd be worth his his ADP. I, I feel like the expectation he's going to help in batting average is really the only justification for it. I mean, you compare Conforto to like where Mike Yastrzemski's going. Um, you know, if you're talking like only a 260, 265 batting average compared to like Max Kepler, who's barely inside the top 200. Uh, so, you know, my concern about Conforto is, okay, he really didn't show batting average ability until last year. And I, you know, I, I think there may be some, some improvements that, that back it up and maybe you can count on him being some help in batting average, but. Well, yeah, I mean, Max Kepler's maxed out at 252 batting average and he's had one season with more than 20 homers. So I, I, I just think Conforto is a really good combination of uh, safe, secure player with, you know, I think 35. It wouldn't shock me if he one year had a 40 homer season. And I also just think, He's going to be a real help in both runs and RBI. I think that's a, a big place where he stands out among the guys who have maybe a similar profile, maybe guys who won't be a huge benefit in, in batting average, but but will hit for power. Um, I, I just think he's going to, you know, I think a 100-100 season is not out of the question for Michael Conforto. I think the team and lineup context for Conforto really kind of helps him in this range of ADP, where even if you have some question marks, if he's batting third or fourth for the New York Mets with Lindor and Pete Alonso, I'm with you, Chris. I, I think, you know, 200 combined runs plus RBI, I don't think that's out of the question. And he doesn't steal a lot of bags, but maybe he gives you six to eight steals. Uh, the batting average is definitely going to come down. He hit, he hit 322 last year with a 412 BABIP. His career BABIP is 305. So yeah, I would. I think you, you can make a case that Mike Yastrzemski is undervalued. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, but I don't think that's necessarily a case against Michael Conforto. Um, it's more a, a case of people sleeping on Yastrzemski. Yeah, I would agree with that assessment as well. Fantasybaseball at CBSI.com is the email address to send in your emails. And this one's from Brian in LA. Enjoyed the podcast recapping the head-to-head categories mock as it helped calibrate some of my thinking ahead of this year's draft. But hearing the league settings you used made me think, the league I've been playing in on CBS and enjoying for six years is all screwed up. And I'm wondering if you have any suggestions I can give my commish on how best to adjust it. We have standard five by five categories. Our lineup is nine hitters and nine pitchers with six bench spots. There's no middle slash corner infielders, one catcher and one utility spot. And on the pitching side, we have, we have to start six starting pitchers, two relief pitchers, and then one flex pitcher, which can be either a starting pitcher or a relief pitcher. Scott, what do you think of this setup? It it does seem like in every fantasy baseball lineup, 
there are usually more hitters than pitchers. So it seems like that's kind of what's throwing things off here in this league. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out what the upside would be to having somebody pitch like how how it would change the league in a way that people might enjoy, I guess, having that many pitchers relative to hitters and I'm 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 struggling to come up with what would be enjoyable about that. You would have um, to play more bad players. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which at, is at a position fun. where there are too many bad players. Yeah. Um, and, and the fact that you can't even flex it that much. Start like, a, you, you know, you could make up for bad starting pitchers in a head to head categories league by adding more relievers to your lineup, but you can't yeah. do that in this specific breakdown. So that, uh, like, if everybody loves it, I'm not going to tell you to change, yeah. but if, uh, if people have been losing interest or there are a lot of complaints during the season about why do we have to do it this way, then I, I'd consider switching to something more traditional. Yeah. I mean, it's, the traditional is the traditional for a reason. It's been around a long time. People seem to enjoy it. The traditional Yahoo, I believe it, is it three starting pitchers, two relief pitchers, and then two flex pitchers? Two, two, four. Two, two, four. So eight pitchers. Mm-hmm. Versus nine here. Okay, I think you just uh, yeah eight, I, eight pitchers and and then ten hitters is I, the is the the Yahoo setup, which is what we what we based that head to head categories mock for. I think the answer for me is gets just get something closer to that. I do think there should be more hitters in your lineup than pitchers because obviously there's a lot of volatility there, and maybe knock off one starting pitcher and make that a relief pitcher. So if you do something like four two two. Um, I think that would probably help you guys out there. This one's from Mark Esposito. Can we get, if not a deep dive, perhaps a shallow dive, shallow dip on one Tanner Houck from the Boston Red Sox, small sample size last year, only made three starts down the stretch, pitched 17 innings. Not a huge prospect for the Red Sox, but a decent prospect in uh, a not-so-great farm system. Uh, a 0.53 ERA with a 0.88 whip last season. Scott, what do you think about Tanner Houck? He's a guy I dismissed when he first got called up because the minor league numbers weren't that good. He wasn't an especially high-end prospect. But, you know, then he came up with, what was it, three really impressive starts starts to end the season. And uh, one pitch in particular, I'm trying to remember which it is. It's the slider. Yeah, 65 grade is what Baseball America gives Tanner uh, Tanner Houck. What, what is it again? Tanner Houck. Tanner Houck for his slider. And, um, you know, it's it's basically just a fastball and a slider. That's really all he has going on. And, and that you worry about the two-pitch arsenal holding up in the starting role. But anytime you have a pitch that's rated that highly, there's always a chance you develop into something. So... <laughs> You know, he's he's a sleeper in the sense that, you know, after, like like for a deep league, I guess, a deep sleeper, probably have him just ranked a, a little outside my top 100 starting pitchers. But if you're looking for an upside play at that point in, in a league of that depth, then uh, he would be uh, he would be somebody I'd consider. Really has to work on the command. Again, that is Tanner Houck of the Boston Red Sox. 4.7 walks per nine last year in the three starts. But even in his stops in minor leagues uh, in 2019, 5.04 walks per nine, 3.48 in 
In 2018, it was 4.54 walks per nine. So definitely have to work on the command. Uh, And just to get the specifics of the numbers in those three starts, six hits allowed over 17 innings. Now, obviously, that is unsustainable. He's going to give him more hits than that. But just the fact that he allowed so few hits, I I think it suggests he was hard to hit. Yeah, the concern I would have is, um, or one of the concerns I would have would just be that you know, he faced about two thirds of his batters faced were right handed and he's got this. He almost has like a Chris sale, but reverse image kind of delivery. It's very much like a three quarters bordering on sidearm. Um, and when you're talking about a guy whose best pitch is his slider and you're talking about that kind of arm angle, uh, you know, the fact that he dominated righties 16 strikeouts, 41 plate appearances, that's not terribly surprising. Uh, only five strikeouts and 22 plate appearances against lefties with four walks. Um, that it just it seems like a reliever profile. But like Scott said, he's going late enough and in deep enough leagues. You know, it's worth taking a shot a shot on someone who flashed that at least. Last one that we'll hit today. This one's from Matt in Tennessee. I am in a 12-team, 10-player keeper league, head-to-head categories, and I have one spot left from. The following, Patrick Corbin, Chris Bryant, Liam Hendricks, Rysel Iglesias, or Jesus Lazardo. What do you think? Scott's dynasty rankings would say Lazardo easily, but I've already got Darvish, Scherzer, and Corbin Burns with no closers. So, Scott, Corbin, Bryant, Liam Hendricks, Rysel Iglesias, and Lazardo. Choose one. With... A keeper league with that many keepers, ten players, then I would I would pay close attention to my dynasty rankings because there's not as much turnover happening there. And closers in a twelve team league, I mean, you're you're gonna get more shots at saves than than in the ten players you're selecting to keep. So yeah, I would agree with my dynasty rankings and I would say Luzardo pretty easily. Chris, how about you? Corbin, Chris Bryant, Hendricks, Iglesias, Luzardo. Uh yeah, I think the only question really, like I don't think in a keeper or especially in a dynasty league, closers have very little value. Um, mm-hmm. The only question for me would be Jesus Lazardo or Chris Bryant. I think Chris Bryant's being really overlooked uh, and, and underrated this year, but you know, I, I think getting that fourth, fourth starting pitcher when you already have uh, six hitters, it sounds like um, I think that probably makes me lean towards Lazardo. Alrighty, we're going to wrap there for Scott, Chris. I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today on a very special Valentine's Day edition. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of 
of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.